Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here, and alongside me, my partner on the airways, as always, it's Sarah Jones. Hi, Sarah. Hello, hello. Where do your adventures, where have your adventures taken you today? <laughs> um, you know, it's been kind of quiet here. Um, we are in Arizona, and um, my husband started a part-time job. And so um, he's working a couple of days a week. Um, and so our life has changed just a little bit. Um, so I've spent some time cleaning and organizing and decluttering our uh, fifth wheel and he's been off working. So different, uh, some of the th same things, but life is a little bit different lately. All right. Well, we know that we get you for a little bit if, if he's here working part time. So uh, <laughs> happy to have you uh, during these, uh, these chillier, but still beautiful months. Right, right. Well, you mentioned decluttering, and I know that uh, before we jumped on, we kind of talked about like, you know, there's there's the decluttering of our lives, and there's uh, just you know these these behaviors that we have with money and spending and all this stuff. Um, but really, kind of where we ended up today is we want to talk about like let's talk about money. Let's have mm -hmm. conversations about our finances with whomever our accountability partner is. I think for most of our listeners, this is going to apply to like couples, you know, people with spouses, but really it's anybody who has an accountability partner. And it's, it's definitely, um, I think it's going to be a really cool conversation for anybody who is engaged to be married or is thinking about getting engaged mm -hmm. to be married and just how to have good, healthy financial conversations with your spouse and or accountability partner. Mm. I love this because, you know, I try not to look back and say, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. But there are definitely times that I use the opportunity for reflection, you know, and if, if I can use this time, you know, to, to reflect a little bit, one of the things that I think could have helped my marriage with my husband, because I've been very honest that there were some times where um, we did not get along. Like things were very, very rough and we were on the verge of divorce a couple of different times, mostly surrounding money issues. Now it's never just money. There's always, you know, in my opinion, a lot of other things happening, but money was kind of the forefront for us. And one thing that we weren't good at when we first got together is talking about money. Um, and so, in my period of reflection, you know, had I had the information and, and maybe some of the tools to use, some of the language to use to have a conversation with him, I think it could have maybe not fully prevented, but it maybe could have allowed me to look at his perspective a little bit differently when we were going through some really tough financial times, right? And and trying to, you know, on our debt-free journey and, and just raising kids, right? I think had we taken some time to have different types of conversations surrounding money, it could have, I really believe it could have made life, frankly, a little bit easier. Yeah. I think you bring up a, a really interesting point though, right? So um, statistics and studies show that the leading causes 
of divorce are kind of are grouped in one of three categories. Usually it's faith, family, and finances. So if you're not on the same page with your faith and, and that's going to bleed into like, how do we raise our kids? That's one issue. Family and having a conversation about how are we going to raise kids and what is that going to look like and what does discipline look like um, is another. But finances kind of finds its way through all of that because here's the other point I want to make. Money is just a tool, right? And that that tool doesn't have any feelings. There are no emotions tied to it. It's just a tool. But we as humans then use that tool and that tool, it, it elicits emotions. And, and sometimes those emotions are like joy and glee. And, and sometimes it's fear and anxiety. So, you know, it, it's just a tool. But when you have a conversation especially like a married couple and, and you're talking to your spouse about how is it that we want to manage this tool and what's important to us and, mm -hmm. and how are we going to um, reconcile differences and those sorts of things before they come up, then you're better equipped to talk about those financial crisis or, or even like a good financial opportunity. You're better prepared to have those conversations because at least you had a foundation by which to work from. So with that being said, that's what we want to kind of focus on today is like, what are some of the foundational things you should be talking about and coming to some type of agreement, uh, either, you know, before you get married, but I also want to encourage those who've been married, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 years, it's never too late. You can always have these conversations. Um, so yeah, like where, where might you say is a starting point, Sarah, when having, financial conversations with a spouse? Mm, you know, I, I think sometimes we make it a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. Um, but I would say simple questions, you know, asking your partner, even when you're thinking about maybe not even necessarily getting married, but it's, if you're looking at moving in together, you know, cohabitating or you're, you, there might be a possibility of joining finances or, you know, going in together to buy something, right? These conversations, I would really encourage you to have before you make any of those types of decisions. But, I, you know, I, I always look at, um, had I asked my husband, you know, kind of like what he wanted life to look like. And that might be kind of a big question, but he would have told me, I know this because I know him very well. We've been together for 18 years now, but he would have said travel, you know, travel was important for him. And so that's a big thing. He, he would have wanted at that time to be saving for travel and to take vacations. And, um, and that's a big, that's a big value piece, right? That's a big value, something that he values in life. And I didn't really know that until later on. So I think simply asking, um, you know, kind of what do you want life to look like? What, what are some things that are important to you? Um, and hearing what they say, you might find that you're on the same page. You have a lot of, you know, commonalities and sometimes maybe you don't, maybe what they say will surprise you. Um, and that's always a fun conversation, right? Because then it just, it can snowball, right? I think a lot of times these conversations, it's not just here's an answer and then leave it. It's an opportunity for kind of snowballing. And and um, I would say one question I wish I would have asked was, you know, what do you want life to look like? What's, what's kind of important to you? And uh, listen to his answer. I know travel would have been one. I'm not sure about some of the other things, though. 
Yeah. When I think about that question, like, what do you want life to look like? I don't know that that's exactly the question we asked, but I know that my wife, Christina, and I uh, discussed what we wanted uh, a life together to look like while we were still dating. Um, she was raised in a household where her mother was able to to stay at home with the kids most of the time. She worked outside the home a couple of different times, but for the majority of my wife's upbringing, her mother was at home and she desired the same. And interestingly enough, I was a, a young man who would have preferred um, a wife who wanted to stay at home and, and care for the, the children first, uh, rather than um, partner with somebody who wanted to work outside the home and make their career their focus. Um, mm -hmm. So it was great to learn we were on the same page there. Like she wanted to be uh, a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to be with somebody who was willing to be a stay-at-home mom. And if you like think about the financial impact of such a decision, had we not talked about that, and we had started having kids and then all of a sudden she stopped working or wanted to stop working because she wanted to stay at home. That would have made a huge financial impact. And if I wasn't ready for that, if I was somebody who was expecting a two income household, I mean, the the potential for catastrophic <laughs> financial arguments would have been there, but we had a conversation early on and realized we were on the same page. And had we not been on the same page, doesn't mean we couldn't get married. It would just have been talking that out and figuring out, you know, what way were we going to feel good moving together, uh, moving forward together. But it really, it really worked out quite nicely. I'm kind of chuckling because you just described the first several years of my marriage. <laughs> okay. You, you, because we didn't really, you know, so a little bit of backstory, which I don't think I've shared a whole lot, but I was married previous. So I was in a relationship for eight years with my ex. We were married for four, had two kids together. And so when I met my current husband, I was a single mom with two young, very young kids. And so, um, I didn't, I'll say I didn't have a choice to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, now, I worked when my kids, you know, when I had them. Um, I continued to work as, as being a single mom. And I don't know, you know, whether I could look back and say I wanted to be, a, you know, a, a stay-at-home mom or I wanted to work. I I think that at that period of time in my life, my my focus was just taking care of myself and my kids. But when I met James, my husband, and, you know, we ended up getting married, it wasn't too long after that, that um, I quit my job to be home. And um, we didn't necessarily have a lot of in-depth conversations around that. Um, mm. I started building a business at that time. But, you know, this is a good point to make right here is that... Um, something I heard a couple of weeks ago is that money's an amplifier and whatever insecurities you have with it, the more money you make or the changes that come, it's just going to amplify those things. And this was definitely the case. Um, because when I quit my job, I was already living with scarcity mindset. I was terrified to spend money and wanted to get our debt paid off as soon as possible, but leaving my job to be home with my kids amplified all of that. I became even more scared to spend money because it felt like we didn't, we really didn't have it. Right. And then this created tension 
within my marriage. James, you know, and I'll use air quotes, supported the move, but it's not what he wanted. And I've got a pretty strong personality, you know, <laughs> so I was going to do it right, wrong, or indifferent. I was going to do it whether he said yes or no. But I think had we had a different type of conversation, right? If we really would have taken some time to have the conversation, say, okay, this is what life might look like if I come home, right? We're having a hard time finding daycare. We, you know, kids are in school now and there's a lot of activities that I'd like to be a part of. And I, I don't want to miss out on those or kid, you know, we didn't have those types of conversations and it caused a lot of tension, not only financial tension, but just emotional tension with him and I, because we weren't connecting, right? We really were not having conversations on the things that absolutely mattered within our lives and our marriage. Yeah. You know, as you're sharing that, I'm just thinking about that, that question and, and how important it is that, that question about what do you want your life to look like? Um, you know, before this conversation today, I don't know that I really appreciated the, the, uh, importance of that, uh, that one question, but to your point, it starts to help you kind of paint a picture and start to communicate with, you know, the other person in your life that is affected by some of your decisions to help them understand, you know, more recently, um, things have changed in, um, you know, the kids are a little bit older now. And, and so my wife finds more free time on her hands and, and she's all like, do you need me to go back to work? Like, do like, do you want the extra income, that sort of thing? Um, and I'm like, no, please. No, <laughs> like, Mm -mm. Um, and, and I share that to just kind of say like all these years later, we're still having the conversation about like, mm -hmm. is it appropriate for her to work outside of the home? Is it needed? Is that the life we want? And it's like, no, because even if you went out and you started bringing home extra income and that allowed us to do some of the other things we want to do, like finally pay off the last bit of our debt, acquire rental properties. These are all the, the, the kind of the goals that we have financially together. And uh, it's like, although it would expedite some of that, what it would also mean is a complete reorganization of the inner household responsibilities. Mm. You know, because of the freedom that my wife has being at home, she can get the kids to and from school without any issues, you know, she can get them to after school activities and, and those sorts of things. She can get shopping done during the day. She can get house cleaning done during the day. If she was all of a sudden outside of the home for eight hours or more a day, then mm -hmm. it would require us to hold on. Who's getting kids to school? Who are getting kids from school? Who's getting the kids to the activities? Who's going to be taking care of the, the different chores throughout the house and, and that sort of thing. And it's like, you know what, for the, the comfort and ease of all of these things are already in motion. Let's mm -hmm. not disrupt it. Even if it <laughs> meant some financial gain. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and I, Again, James and I have experienced something similar because he hasn't worked for the past year, right? Because we've been traveling and we're fortunate enough that um, our roles have 
definitely shifted, right? Because I've, you know, got my business and so financially supporting the house. And so he now takes care of some of those other tasks, you know, taking care of while the kids are not at home, we have a cat and a dog, you know, so he makes sure that they're taken care of while I'm working and he does most of the cleaning and a lot of the cooking and, you know, so our roles have shifted, but we needed to have those conversations before we made this happen, right? So we knew going into it, and I was actually just going to use the word expectation, and that's not the word that I, I want to use necessarily, but I think to, to allow us to be on the same page. And really what it means for us is, what does this mean, right? So if we do this, then what does it mean for our lives? What does it mean for us individually? And what does it mean for us together? And then how are we going to approach this? You know, and and I think I've shared... For us to go on the road, it required him quitting his his job and um, his full-time job. And with that, it's not only money, but it's also health insurance. Um, you know, dare I say a, a little bit of, it's a different type of security. It's a different type of financial security. Um, we were, you know, contributing to retirement accounts, you know, just, so our processes and what we were doing had to all be shifted. And those were major decisions. And I'm thankful that we're having them now. And I said it a few minutes ago, we didn't have them in the beginning, but because we've worked on our communication, you know, throughout the years, these conversations that we have now are ongoing, but they're much easier, right? We're, they're much easier yeah. because we really know where, where each other's at with things. But to your point, you know, it's, it's an ongoing thing. You don't just have the conversation, then it ends life shifts. We come into new seasons. And so our conversations need to continue because, you know, there's all sorts of things that we can't predict in life. And so when I say, you know, what do you want life to look like? I think it's a good outline, right? But yeah. all the details are going to change just because we can never predict exactly what life is going to throw at us. But if we know what it is that we want and we're willing to ask for it, and asking for it means sharing it with our partners, right? With those that, that we want to spend our lives with and create a life together. Then it allows us to then have conversations going forward that are in alignment with each other because we know where the other one's already coming from. And it, it allows us to handle these new situations as they come up with, I believe, a more openness and a more of an understanding of not just our own feelings, but really where our partner's coming from. Um, and that's not something I was good at in the beginning. I'll be real honest. And, and um, I pretty much did things the way I wanted. And I didn't take into consideration the life that he wanted to, to live. Um, and that was really difficult. And, and I've seen how our marriage very, it was so close to, um, to breaking up. Um, I think sometimes, Nino, if we just put a little bit of our pride you know, to the side and, and just opened up and, and started a conversation. I think a lot of things could be changed, but before even we need to do that, let's just have a, a fun conversation and say, Hey, you know, what did it, what, it, what do you want to do in life? Right. They, these are fun conversations that we can have. And I think we, we dread them and I don't know why we dread them, but let's have a fun conversation, right? What's your dream car? What, what do you want to do in retirement? What, you know, so many things. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like you said, it all boils down to communication, right? Mm -hmm. And why not at least start the communication off in a fun way? Like, 
dreaming and, and kind of figuring out like what your ideal state is. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big kind of believer in that if you can start having conversations about your finances because they just kind of are entwined into everything else, you're going to find it easier to have conversations about other things. And those other things are going to affect your finances anyway. Like I said, you know, whether or not Christina should work outside of the home obviously had a big impact on our finances, but really that conversation was more about how we wanted to raise a family before it was about mm -hmm. how we want to manage our finances. Um, you know, but I think, I think not only are those conversations important to have early on, like I said earlier, it's never too late to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it hurts my heart to, to hear that yours and James's marriage was on the verge of, mm -hmm. of bust, but it then heals my heart to hear that like you guys came out of that. And it sounds like you learned how to communicate, whether that was about mm -hmm. finances specifically, or it was just about everything else that goes into a marriage, but being mm -hmm. able to communicate and starting to get on the same page. Are you going to agree about everything? No, but right. are you going to be able to find ways to, to compromise in healthy ways where it's not one person totally has to give up what they want so that the other person gets what they want. And it's not that anybody's keeping score, but they, you start to communicate about what's important and, and you start to find the places where the values align. And then you take steps forward so that you both can uh, kind of get what you want. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, looking back, I, you know, I had been through a divorce once before Nino. And so I knew the pain of that. And um, I also said that I was never going to do that again. Right. And so I had to take a really hard look at where we were at and say, okay, I don't want to be in that place. And we're, we're virtually right there. And so where can I make some changes? And this is where, you know, call it pride. I need to have a different type of conversation. I need to put some of my pride away. I need to approach this differently than the way I've approached it before. And one of our big money things was, um, and I, I think I've shared this on a past episode, but I was so strict in trying to get our debt paid off that he actually told me, said, Sarah, I'm, we're not creating the life that I want to live. We're not living the life that I want to live right now because it was so strict. And we got out of debt doing it that way, but we went right back into debt a couple of months later because we hadn't had the real conversations, you know? And so, you know, I actually said, I'm like, all right, what life do you want to create? How do you want to live? What is important to you? You know, is, is it the toys, you know, the, and I'll use air quote, you know, on big toys, is it travel? Is it clothes? You know, what is it for you? And you know, what I found was, is that something that just popped into my head that I think is so poignant that he said, Sarah, he said, I want to be able to go out to eat and allow the kids to take one of their friends with us and not have to say no, because I would say no. Nope, absolutely. We're not doing that. Right. He wanted to be able to allow our kids to invite a friend to go out to, to eat with us. That's the, because for a lot of reasons, but creating family, um, friend time, you know, creating the community with the kids. And here I was saying no to those things all the time. And 
It's not that I didn't want those, but I was putting what I wanted first instead of really looking at my kids, you know, what, what I'm showing them, what I'm teaching them, but also my husband, what's really important for him, you know, and, and, you know, I think we learn so much and we can just approach so many difficult situations with more ease and, and less struggle, you know, when we take the time to just ask our partners, what is it that you want? You know, what's important to you? I, I think it's a very underrated question. Yep. And well, and like we said, it's a, it's a fun place to start. Um, mm -hmm. it, it really allows for you to just kind of be in dream mode and, you know, ideally if we could have it all work out just the way we wanted, this is what it would look like. And that's, that's, that's a fun place to start. Where I would like to go next, though, is mm. something a little bit more practical. So you start with the what do you want it to look like and all those things. But another part of the financial conversation that I think every couple should be having and determining for themselves, I have my opinion about this, but my opinion is like everybody else's. Um, and that is at least have the conversation about is it yours, mine, or ours? Is mm. it your and my money or is it our money? And that's going to lead to um, other things like, should we have a joint bank account? If you're getting like a direct deposit, is it being direct deposited into that joint account? And that one conversation is going to have kind of a ripple effect about mm. a bunch of different things. Um, but I think it's important. Is it that's your money and this is my money or is it? our money. Mm -hmm. I love this one too, because I too have, <laughs> I tell you, James and I have been through it all with the, the money <laughs> conversations and the, the money difficulties. And, um, I went into it without talking with him, but my own perception was it's our money. We both, you know, had jobs, right. And we both had mm -hmm. our own set of bills. And so when we got together, I assumed that we were combining everything and it's our money. And while we did combine accounts and, you know, opened up, you know, joint account, he didn't feel that it was our money. It was his money and my money. Um, and that created a lot of, um, a lot of unsaid things, right? A lot mm. of, um, things that, that we didn't talk about. Um, and then later on, um, we actually ended up separating our accounts. We still to this day have separate accounts, but we're both, it's our money, even though we have separate accounts. So it's just interesting how things can change, but you need to have the conversation, right? You, you need to talk about, is it our money? And then what does that look like? Is it his, you know, his money and her money? Why? Why? What happened before? And I think this leads into some other questions. You know, what did you experience before? And why do you feel that way? Um, are you, we could go down, I could go down a whole rabbit hole with that, right? Um, which I'll spare all of our listeners. But it's a really great point to make is, is it our money? Is it his or is it yours and mine? Hmm. Mm. Something we didn't talk about. 
I work with enough clients that I've seen a bunch of different configurations. I've, I've, I've seen uh, couples who've been married for decades and they have uh, their funds separated. I've seen the same um, time together and they're commingled. Uh, I've seen uh, to your point where like they're still separate accounts, but um, the money really is ours. You know, I think for a lot of people, this is a control issue and this is a trust issue. And you got to ask yourself, um, if, if you're having concerns about that, like what are all these unsaid things? And like you said, that's a huge rabbit hole, maybe for another episode. But if my opinion is it always, it, it seems to work out better when it's our money, but there's a lot of conversation that goes into what is it like, what does that really mean and look like? Because even with Christina and I, it is our money. And as I shared, I mean, she doesn't work outside of the home. So if it was his and hers, like that would feel, it would feel icky. So it's our money and outside, like, well, within that, within the, it's our money, there is money set aside for Nino. You can go and spend this on whatever you want. No questions asked, whatever, whatever, whatever. And Christina, you also get this amount here to go and spend and manage however you want no questions asked. Everything else is then just a conversation about like when it comes to like groceries, um, we've, we've actually had to kind of revisit the, the grocery conversation recently because of all the inflation and whatnot, it's like she, she's been doing some things. So Christina manages that money. We come together to kind of figure out like how much do we want to budget for that? And then mm -hmm. she gets that money and she manages and she goes shopping and all those things. So she's been doing things differently to save money, but we just had a conversation the other day about the kids are older now. They're 12 and eight. The 12 year old loves the idea of cooking. And I'm like, what if, cause I know there's a lot of implication. It's not just a simple, let's change one little thing. There's a lot of implication here, but I'm like, what if instead of buying like prepackaged pancakes and waffles, what if we did more of like the flour and egg route and we taught the kids how to cook and we did more of that? Now that there's a commitment there. There's a time commitment in, you know, we're going to cut out some of the convenience to, to save some of the money. Anyway, it's just an example to illustrate that the conversation continues and it evolves. And um, so you got to, you start off with, is it, yours and mine, or is it ours? But it then trickles down into all of this other stuff. And so mm -hmm. I just, I would encourage people to really have the conversation early and come to agreements. When Christina and I first got together, we were, uh, we were cohabitating. I'll use your word from earlier. We were living together before <laughs> marriage. And so we established it very much like a roommate situation. It was, we live in this two bedroom apartment. This is my room, that's your room. Um, the rent is what it is. And so we did like a 50-50 split. Well, the longer we lived together um, and the more it just looked like we were gonna be together for the long term anyway, we kind of started acting like a married couple. And one of the first augmentations that we made is instead of doing a 50-50 split, at that time, she was working outside the home. Um, 
and I made more money. So I went to her and I was all like, well, I make more money than you. So like if we started, started to pretend like this was our money, I kind of bring in 60, you bring in 40. So how about I pay 60% of the rent and you pay 40% of the rent. And that was like a step towards going from mm-hmm. his and hers to ours. And, and eventually it evolved and grew and it's morphed, you know, a bunch of times over the uh, 14 years of marriage, 17 years of uh, being together. Um, it, it, it's just evolved, but it started in one place and it gradually got to a place where now it's truly, it's just, you know, we share a bank account and the only thing uh, that we don't share, which is not even true because I'm an authorized user on hers and she's an authorized user on mine, but we both have our own separate credit cards so that if mm. she wants to kind of spend online first and then just pay the, the credit card with the money that she gets allocated to spend however she wants, it's like she has that to manage and it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned that, you know, my <clears throat> James and I have done things I think about every which way, (laughs) right? Because part of it, you know, I think is having the conversations and then seeing what does work and what doesn't work. Right. But just because you start out a certain way, doesn't mean that that's where you're going to end up. And it doesn't mean that, that there isn't some trial and error that comes along with this. And, you know, I said that we, we combined money joint account pretty much right after we got married. Um, But then there was a period of time where, we definitely separated everything and it, it did go to, you know, his money and my money. And we did the percentage thing, you know, like, um, you know, you pay 60% of the bills and I'll pay the 40%, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and being married together for a long time. And, you know, there just, there were so many things that went into it that for us, that was a very complicated route. Um, we tried it, you know, uh, Fortunately enough, my kids were on his medical insurance and, you know, here in my mind, overanalyzing everything like, oh, you don't need to be paying for it. It can get really messy, I guess, is my point that and it got really messy because we weren't talking about it. We really weren't having the conversations of what might this look like and why do we want to go this route? Why do we want to try this? I think we took action and we took, you know, we, we did something different without having the the conversations first. And then the messiness is trying to figure out, okay, we already did it. So how now what, right? It's not working the way I thought it was going to work. Cause there's a lot of bits and pieces here that we didn't, we didn't think about. Right. And I think that we can just save ourselves a lot by initiating the conversation before taking action too, right. That don't, don't necessarily take action before you've had the, the conversation yeah. um, because yeah. it could have saved us. And, you know, our money is definitely our money now. And, and, you know, he's got his own account that bills get paid out of. I got, I have my own account that bills get paid out of, but it's our budget. It's our money. It's our life. It's our experiences. It's our peace of mind fund. It's our retirements. Everything is ours. It just comes out of different accounts to make it happen. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh it's an important point that having the conversation first and then implementing and knowing that you can make adjustments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the great part. You can make adjustments. It's fine. So I really <laughs> like that point. I wanted to reiterate talk about it, do it, make adjustments. 
and and mm-hmm. kind of just keep doing that until you find something that really works for you. You know, I just want to caution people though. Um, I've worked with enough clients and I've just known enough people who have been open about their finances that um, the more you keep it separated, the more things go unsaid and the more resentment that builds up because it's like, well, that's your bill and that's your responsibility or, you know, whatever that is. Like, I, I know a couple who have been through a lot of different changes. You know, at first they were two income household that changed. They went down to a one income household. I have no idea if they ever really talked about that or planned it, or if it just kind of happened that way. Um, it seems like it kind of just happened that way. And then going from two incomes down to one income, it's like, I know that they were, they, there was a lot of, this is your bill and this is my bill. And it's like, well, what does that look like once that one person doesn't have an income anymore? What do their bills look like with all the inflation that they've, that we as a country have been experiencing? It's, you know, are those things being adjusted and is there more money being allocated for exp- it's just so messy. It's it is. so messy. And you want to talk about money fights. Mm-hmm. Like imagine trying to, to navigate all of that. The quicker you can get to it's our money and this is our life. And these are the things we want and the goals mm-hmm. we have. The quicker you can get there, the smoother it will be. Um, it doesn't mean you can't make it work with, mine and yours, but oh, yeah, I, I could not agree more um, with that. And partly because I've lived it and partly, you know, I've worked with a lot of um, people and I think, you know, I think just so much of our past experience plays into it as well. And, and, you know, for me, I'll say for me, you know, having my own account, it's, it's part of this independence thing. Um, so I'm freely admitting that, you know, I, I want my own account, but it's not my money, right? And so while it's my account, there's this, um, for me, it's a sense of pride, you know, in, in having something that I've that, that belongs to me, but it's our money. And we've worked really hard to get to that point um, that when we make a, a decision, it's based on what's the, for the greater good of our life and our family, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, then we just go into, okay, now how are we going to make that happen? Right. When we have, you know, separate accounts, like, okay, whose account is this going to come out of? All right. Right. And we, we have our own process now and, and reasons. And, and, um, when we tried to have things so separate to your, it, it was messy, you know, and, and it, it created a division between us, um, an even greater mm-hmm. one because it was there, but it created an even bigger one because, there's so many things, you know, they talk about financial infidelity, right? And, and while we didn't, I, I wouldn't say that we ever experienced that. I have worked with people who have. Yeah. And that's tough, right? When, when things are um, going on that, that you don't know about. And I don't, in my own opinion, I don't think that's any way to have a, a healthy marriage. I think a healthy marriage is very open and honest. And so, you know, separate banking accounts is fine, but keeping everything really looking at it very separately, I don't see that as being real healthy. And that's my own opinion. Um, healthiness is cohesiveness 
in my opinion. Yeah. I share, I share a lot of your opinion there. And so I won't, uh, I won't necessarily, um, just regurgitate everything you said, but I will say that, uh, I agree that I feel like, um, financial health inside of marriage comes from cohesiveness, not, not division. Uh, if our listeners are looking to have a conversation with one of us or any of the other new money habit coaches, go to the show notes, schedule some time with Sarah or with myself. And, you know, if you're looking for that accountability partner, you're just looking to bounce ideas off, whatever it is, right? Like get an outside objective perspective on your financial situation. We can help you create a plan that is custom to you and your goals and what you're looking to achieve. And the best thing about a plan that's actually customized to you is you'll go out and execute it. So visit the show notes, schedule some time with us. Um, but in the meantime, we are going to get out of here and continue this conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the new money habits podcast brought to you by new money habits and keeping up with the Joneses financial coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.